to go. Well, welcome this morning. Um, for those who are watching live, for those who will be watching later on podcast or YouTube, to our Truett uh, Church Network conversation series this morning. Uh, we are joined by my friend Jorge Zapata um, to talk about uh, our, our current immigration crisis and pandemic and the church response to that. Um, Jorge, we got to know each other like, I was trying to think about it, probably like 12 or 13 years ago yes. when we came to scout a trip to Eagle Pass and you spent the day uh, driving us all over Eagle Pass. We had some good food. We spent the day in the truck together and uh, and just struck up a friendship. And I, that's been that's been quite a while. It's been a while. Yes, I was working for Bugner back then. Yeah, yeah. And we took several trips together back then over a few years and then uh, see each other at all these Baptist gatherings we have uh, in, in Atlanta or Dallas or the, the Valley or wherever it happens to be. Thankfully, uh, pre-pandemic anyway, we got to see each other fairly often, but um, right. I appreciate you being here today. Appreciate your invitation. I, I'm looking forward to to uh, be here and, uh, and see what we can, uh, you know, we can do together. <laughs> sure. So so for those that haven't had the pleasure of, of being your friend, um, give us the, the, the bio on Jorge Zapata. What do we need to know about where, where you grew up and, and who you are? Well, I'm Jorge Zapata. I'm married to my wife, Rosa. We have four children, two boys, two girls, and uh, we have nine grandchildren, uh, eight boys and one girl. My, <laughs> I always tell her she's my, my fair granddaughter. I said, oh, because I'm your only granddaughter. I said, well, <laughs> I cannot say that about the other, uh, the other cousins. But yeah, and uh, we are ministering uh, here in the Valley. Uh, we are uh, I'm pastoring a church called New Wine Church. Also uh, started uh, a ministry, a nonprofit organization here for the Colonias. Uh, it's called Hard for Kids and doing work alongside with, uh, well, I'm also doing work with the city of Texas. I'm associate coordinator uh, for uh, missions and Hispanic ministries. And, and also uh, starting uh, three years ago, started working with Fellowship Southwest alongside with Martin Knox. And it's been a great experience uh, doing colonial work along the uh, Texas border and I've grown so much in the ministry. So, you know, we are also, you know, we've been planning churches. So we are so busy. We're, we got so much going on. And always, every day is something new is, is about to happen. So I look forward for every day that, you know, uh, that when we wake up, I wonder what we're going to do, be doing next. Yeah. So you, if I remember right, right, you grew up in the valley and then pastored in Lufkin for a while. Is it Lufkin? Yes. Well, then, uh, then I've been I back passed, in the valley. Yeah, I grew up here in the valley. I was born in Mexico, Matamoros, across the border from Brownsville. Grew up here in the valley uh, and, and uh, then went to seminary at 12. That was BUA BU now. I uh, attended BUA back then and then uh, came back home. And uh, from there, I went to East Texas. Uh, and pastor under First Baptist Church Athens, uh, Dr. Uh, James Bond, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was I almost told him I was uh, I was Pancho Villa. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I pastored seven years in, in East Texas at uh, under Primera Iglesia Bautista, a mission of uh, First Baptist Athens. Okay, and then from I came back to the Valley to pastor uh, here in Mercedes. Uh, Southside Baptist Church in, in Mercedes, Texas, and uh, well, I've been pastor for, uh, four years, four pastors uh, in my thirty-four years in ministry, and also came and worked for Bugner uh, Children Family Services, which I really it was a great experience for me. Yes. And then uh, that's where I'm at. right now. I'm living in, in the Valley in Harlingen, Texas, uh, and and enjoying my life with uh, in, in the ministry. Well, tell us about what you're doing right now. I mean, particularly, I mean, I know it, it kind of all combines the different sort of some with CBF Southwest, Hearts for Kids and pastoring. But kind of tell us some about the, the details of your work right now in ministry. Well, right now, uh, through Heart for Kids Fellowship Southwest, we're doing very, a very uh, unique ministry, working with migrants. Uh, they are coming in from Central America, uh, working on a daily basis with these people, uh, ministering to them, uh, make sure that uh, they have a shelter, uh, they have food to eat, water to drink, and also safety of this family. So uh, we have partnered with different pastors across the border 
uh, from Bra from Bronx to Matamoros, all the way to Tijuana, uh, San Diego, the whole border. Wow. And we have ministering to the migrants uh, about two and a half years ago. I'll say that uh, we went down to, uh, uh, with a CPF staff, went to Tijuana for the, the first caravan that came in, 8,000 people that came in. And we went to the federal shelter of the Mexican government. And uh, we saw children and, and uh, moms there are, uh, uh, with small children sleeping on the streets, on the sidewalk, under a tent, a pop-up tent. It was raining, it was drizzling. And then we went to a big warehouse where everybody was like all together. And I didn't, I never looked forward, I never looked that I was gonna be working with migrants. You know, my, my job was Polonia's on the Texas side with poverty and all that, the rural, rural communities. But when we went across the border to Tijuana, I came back with a broken heart, uh, especially with children. You know, I saw those children and I, um, and my, my heart, my spirit was pumping within me that uh, I needed to do something. But at the same time, I was fighting the spirit of God. No, I don't want to get involved. It's in Mexico. You know, uh, you hear all these stories of a danger and all that. But, well, a uh, few months later, I, I don't know, the Lord just got me hooked up with, with all these people and, and with the Mexican government, with state governments of Mexico. Uh, and then I had started having meetings with the consulate from Central America, like Honduras, El Salvador, uh, and never thought I was going to be meeting these people because I took action, we took action with Fellowship Software, CBF Texas. Uh, we started that, that ministry and it's been on the road. Uh, it's, it's become like a, it's like a snowball coming down the hill. It became bigger and bigger that uh, we, ha we had to learn a lot of things. Yeah, that's, that's helpful kind of as a, an overview and help us understand. So, I mean, you know, for those of us that don't live on the border and, and can't don't see it right now for ourselves, particularly the last year, I guess the last time I've been down um, to work uh, would, would have been 2015. Um, and even then there was the beginning tide of, of Central American immigrants that were coming seeking asylum. And then now asylum has largely been shut down. I'm just kind of saying, help me yes. understand this. Asylum has largely been shut down. So most everyone is being turned away except for now unaccompanied minors, some are able to come through. So, I mean, we hear the political talking points that all the politicians use. I mean, help, help us understand what's, what's actually happening and what you're seeing. And th then we'll come to sort of the church's response, but what, not the why of people are, are coming, but yeah, what, what, is, what is the story sort of on the ground um, as you see it? Well, um... What I want to thank the Lord is that what I learned in East Texas, working with undocumented people and helping them through, I'm going back to the history of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, the amnesty program that came in back in 85, 1985, we helped uh, through my friend, Dexton George. Mm -hmm. Back then we were uh, filling application every single day for I don't know how many months. And that helped me to understand the immigration uh, problem, understand the government kind of find solutions to these immigration problems. And uh, we're able to help thousands of families. Now that I came back to the, to the border and, and work, well, working alongside uh, with Bugner really helped me because there I learned to work. I, I learned it in East Texas, working with, a, with the state of Texas, with a and working with the local community. But then when I came with Bugner, it opened that I was working with federal government and state governments along the border. That opened up the door to learn more about more uh, building bridges between the church and the state. And, uh, but right now what I see is it has become a very political uh, thing that is so divided. Uh, we forget that these people are humans. Uh, we forget that these children are coming in uh, for a better future. And, uh, and there are humans that suffer. They are suffering. And, and, uh, and 
the other thing that I do as with, as I work in missions that I educate that the, the churches that are coming in that uh, that the ones who are educating us as U.S. citizens, Americans, is is our media. Mm. Either CNN or Fox are are feeding uh, what's going on, but they're they're in New York, <laughs> they're <laughs> somewhere else, and we're here locally uh, yeah. dealing with this on a daily basis. And, and the stories that they say uh, is just to to bring division and hatred either to our government or to the immigrant, but it doesn't identify anyone, doesn't help no one, it just divides the country. But I'm here as, as a pastor, I'm here as a, as, a, as a child of God, that I know what God wants us to do, take care of, of, of the needy. You know, that's what we do in, in a colonia, taking care of people in poverty, but then the migrant come in, and it's either you're gonna be loved or you're gonna be hated. Mm. Uh, last year, when the pandemic uh, hit us, uh, I started before the pandemic hit. I was working with administ- with the Trump administration, helping them because they called us if we could help in El Paso, Texas, to open church facilities to help these migrants that were going to be re- be released through asylum. ICE was going to release them in El Paso. They don't have a, and these people they didn't have they didn't know El Paso, Texas. They don't know where the airport was at or the bus station. So they were going to release them. They don't want them to be uh, roaming around the streets and being in danger, kidnapped or something. So the government was trying to protect them. Uh, and that's why they called to see if, I, if we could help bringing pastors in and open the, 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 the church. So we got about 17 churches in El Paso area that opened their, 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 their churches as shelter. And um, that's when the, the flux of uh, migration came in and... Uh, and we didn't know what to do. We had to be on the on the job training. So as that happened, these pastors also had to learn at the same way. There was we didn't have no funds. We had no money to buy grow. I mean to buy water or food for them, a, a clothing. So they were just gonna take a shower and give them uh, something to eat. But it was not in the budget. Uh, all these churches that opened was Hispanic small congregations in the Texas border and El Paso area. So. Uh, I remember the first time, the, the first church they opened, the media uh, was following the buses. Once they released them, they, uh, we gave them the address to bring them uh, in El Paso. Well, the media was there from all, I mean, local media and national media. And as soon as they arrived and they, they came off the bus, uh, the pastor, uh, they said, what do we do? I said, well, Welcome them, them, welcome to the United States. You know, why else can we give them, give them a hug? Uh, we don't know what to do. And, and, uh, and then the media approached and asked us, why are you doing this? Uh, well, the mandate of the Bible, God says, take care of the stranger. And uh, they couldn't believe that we're doing this. Uh, we are, the churches were open the doors. So for us, they would kind of bring a contradiction yeah. uh, to what we were doing. But uh, but we were sold out through the word of God. That that's what the that's what we needed to do as, as pastors and churches. So in that moment, the media helped us to ask the community, "What I, what do you need?" And the pastor told them, "I only have uh, I only have one pack uh, a pack, one package of water. I don't have nothing to give these families." Within an hour, we had a a, a, a classroom of the church almost full with donations. Wow. People started lining up and cars, drove up cars the whole day within, you know, uh, and then the pastor sent me pictures where, uh, I mean, they, they couldn't believe it. Because I asked him, what do we do? Said, just say yes, the Lord will open the heavens. I don't know. We're, we're helping. We're doing this in the name of Jesus. And, and they were surprised that the Lord immediately opened the windows of heaven and donations started to come in. And then the, the rest of the churches happened. But it's been a, a, a great journey. Uh, my life, Matt, has been transformed. Mm. Uh, I have never seen so much suffering in my life. I've never have seen moms and dad cry for because they were hungry, uh, because they were kidnapped, they were raped. Children with uh, with machine guns facing on the face because of the organized crime as they were crime coming into the United, into United States. All sorts of ugly stories 
I, I can tell stories after stories. And uh, if you're not there, you don't know, you, you don't know the suffering. You just hear what the news is telling you, you know, that you just hear the bad stories that they want you to hear. But, you know, these are human beings that are, they're being persecuted is because they're poor and being taken advantage of because they're poor and uneducated. And uh, I have, you know, and that's why I take it personally myself because I was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. My mom is a U.S. citizen. My dad, he he was a uh, abracero, a worker, which is back then they hire people from Mexico to just come and help the farmers. Yeah. And they go went back home the same day. And my day was about Cero, which, you know, it was a day worker to work on the, on the fields in the United States. My mom was, was here. I was born in Mexico. And my mom and my dad only have a, a, a first grade education in Mexico. But uh, when we grew up, my mom said, I want my, my kids to grow up in the United States. So while I was here, I was undocumented until the age of 12. And I was always afraid of being, being, undocumented, being deported. Mm. Even when we got our citizenship, uh, I was even afraid that what if they take away my citizenship? What are we going to do in Mexico? I was a teenager. And those things happened to my mind. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I understand the immigration situation of a lot of these families because I lived it uh, as a child. And I saw my mom and dad suffer. Uh, and we as a family, when there was nothing to eat, nothing because we we're undocumented. Back then, there was no food stamps. There was nothing legal. I mean, for for families, with you know, and, but uh, we survived. And I'm glad that uh, I, you know I believe that this is from the Lord that He made me experience this. He knew how He was going to use me to do what I'm doing today, to really understand the background of all these families. So uh, for me, is I'm I want to educate the church. I want to educate the pastors. Because we are, we're either go to the right or to the left, and and, uh, and we really forget about who we are as believers in Christ, and we are we we as Baptists and believers in Christ, we are we're uh, people of the Word of God. You know, we apply it or we don't apply it, and you know, so sometimes it is very difficult. Uh, last year, what uh, two years ago, when I started working with a uh, Trump administration. We're working also with the Border Patrol. They were working long hours. Um, I have nephews. I have church members that are Border Patrol. And they made them look like animals, like savages that, you know, they, they have no heart. And my son-in-law, he is a, a Border Patrol. He works with customs. He works at the bridge. And, you know, he's a, he's my my son-in-law and he's a father of my children. And, and uh, so... They're humans. They have uh, children to go to, and my nephew was working at the uh, uh, in the process center in McAllen, where they call it the, the refrigerator, where they call it the cages, where children were. You know, I know the all those things behind it because I, I know who they're my my family members work there. So uh, he had children in his arms trying to do work in a computer while attending children and uh, working 18, 20 hours a day not able to see their children and, uh, and, and being bombarded with all these negative things. And, uh, and because, and then I was helping with a migrant. I was caught in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what, and then most of us pastors that work with migrants and work with the border patrol, we're caught in the middle because the border, the border is totally different from being in Dallas, Houston, anywhere in the United States. Because especially the border patrols that are believers in Christ, they sit in a pew and uh, they're humans, their moms and dads, they're sitting in the church pews. And, uh, and besides them, because they're Hispanics, they're undocumented brothers in Christ. Yeah. And it's hard for them. And I've been in, 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 in those churches along the border where, uh, you know, those border patrol people are are human and they love Christ. They love the the, the, the they love you know they, they love the uh, the human race. But at the same time, you have the the, the migrants are coming in. They're being hated. They've been uh, like put down. So how do you fight that? You know, you, then you have a media going a hundred miles an hour with a lot of the stories. And um, we as we as pastors and people on the field. Uh, we have to make decisions. Either 
you're, they're going to hate you or, or, or they're going to love you. They're going to stop uh, supporting you or, or they're going to continue to help you. So our, our jobs is also, uh, also up in the, up in the air, what we do, you know, but, uh, it has been a, it's been a very, it's been a very difficult time, uh, helping with migrants at the border because there's all kinds of stories about border wall. Uh, you know, uh, if I, if I, if I, I'm for it or I'm against it and, you know, uh, what do I think about the immigration thing? And so you, you know, I've been asked those questions and, uh, and, and sometimes it's not what they want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even I'm realizing, and as I phrase the questions that we've talked about, uh, I'm completely conditioned to think about this in adversarial terms, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> we have preconceived notions of border patrol and detention facilities and, and, and immigrants and migrants and asylum seekers. And depending on our politics and beliefs, um, we probably feel different about those. What you're describing is not uh, necessarily an adversarial system, but of all of them with real human, real human beings with faith commitments and beliefs doing your best to make this this work together is that fair that that's kind of what you're experiencing is is the, the complicated human nature of this yeah it's we, we have to face it um uh, i've been there you know one time i was uh, riding with a border patrol along the 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 uh, then in paso uh, on the river and they were showing us the border wall and the river and as we were driving, there was about, but I'll say about eight, 10 pastors of us on, on the van with them. And they were, took us on a tour. And they were, they had about 40 uh, undocumented, uh, apprehended right there on the border wall. And uh, the border patrol uh, told us, look at those families. They just got apprehended. And look at their faces. We stopped. We're looking, look at their faces. There's fear for their lives. Mm. They don't know what's going to happen to them. You know, they're already crossed the river. They're here. And uh, he said, can you get off and minister to them and pray for them? Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, excuse me. Did I hear right? I said, yes, sir. They're humans. They, they need prayer right now. And they need someone who encouraged them to trust in God. You know, they're, they, they're risking their lives. To, I mean, from the left of the country walking. So uh, we got off. And... Uh, and immediately, uh, I, I, I was the one who spoke, welcome to the United States. I don't know what to say. You know, they smiled and I told them, we're pastors. We're here with the Border Patrol, just you know, uh, taking a tour uh, of the border. And, and we started ministering uh, with, I, I got five, six uh, people with me. And all the pastors got another five, six people around them. We started praying. A lot of them were sick. Uh, a lot of them were, I had injuries on their legs, on their ankles. And their knees and and uh, some we had fear, totally fear. And as soon as we started praying for them and, and sharing the word of God, that that anxiety, that 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 emotional stage that we're at, just came to at ease. That were just brought uh, peace to them. And the media arrived immediately, trying to everything in the and 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 one of the pastors approached him. Can you give us some privacy? People, these people need privacy, please. And he put the camera down because they saw that we're a pastor's ministry. So we don't want this to be in the media. We just want this to be personal. They need personal help. You know, uh, it's up to you want to do it, put it in the media or not. But with this, so they put their camera down and, and, and the reporter respected what we asked. And I was real surprised. From there, uh, Matt, we, we, we went to the bridge. Uh, there was a, a tent uh, with air condition, but there were thousands of people there. And instead of having the people in the sun, they put them under the bridge. And the, and, and the bridge was full of a lot of rocks where the, the railroad passes by. And these people were so tired, super tired. They were laying down on the rocks and the cement and, and under the shade. And, and they had those aluminum, uh, uh, have you seen those, uh, uh, blankets. Face blankets, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I've I seen all of the media. And, and when I approached them, I said, um, 
Uh, the Border Patrol said there's so many of them. It takes us about 15, 20 minutes to process everyone. And then we have to bring another group in. It takes another 15, 20 minutes to process them. And, uh, and but while well, they had to wait 15, 20 minutes while laying down on the floor because they were so tired. Well, the media was saying, look, the way the Border Patrol has these people laying on the, on the rocks. And I, I, was, I was hearing all the negative, but I was there. And I asked the people, doesn't bother you to, to, to be on, laying on the rocks? There were chalk rocks. I said, no, sir, we're so tired. Mm. I just want to lay down anywhere. And I, we thank the Border Patrol that put us under the bridge because we have shade. We've been on, on the sun. Well, you know, the Paso is, yeah. is a desert. And, uh, and then I started hearing stories about themselves. So, you know, I, I was there on the front line with the Border Patrol. And, and hearing the stories from the side of the Border Patrol, then I was interviewing the migrants that were coming in and uh, they were so happy they were, they were apprehended by the Border Patrol, ready to, you know, to uh, apply asylum. So uh, those things have really molded my life and changed me because there's two sides and, uh, and both of them are in need of help. And the Border Patrol told us, tell our story, please. We're not, we're not monsters. We're not, we're not uh, these people that think we are. And, and then I have to tell the stories to other about the migrants. You know, they're not the, the, the rapists or, 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 or the, uh, the animals they think they are, you know. Uh, and so we had two, two stories to share. And, and, uh, and we, were, we spent time with both of them. And, and, and those are the things that I'm saying is very difficult because um, how are you going to tell the story? How are you going to minister? And, and those people that are in North Texas, uh, how are they going to receive the stories that we're telling? Uh, because I had a mission group that came from Tennessee. They were ready. They were so very anti-everything uh, immigration. And I took them to the border wall. I took them to give them a lesson. Uh, the Border Patrol came by and they had a great time talking to the Border Patrol tell them about the stories, the border patrol, tell them stories about the migrants and all this. The whole perspective changed. And they said, we, we have let the media tell us the stories and we believe it. And now we're here now listening with our own ears and, and, and seeing with our own eyes what's going on is totally different. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just the thing that what we hear is what is how we react, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, uh, uh, for for us, it's been a, a, a very, for me, it's been rewarding, all right? Even though I've been bombarded from all sides, uh, but for, for me, it's been rewarding. I'm doing this work. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of it, you know, uh, that either you get criticized. Uh, I remember when I was with Buckner, be, be a voice to the voiceless mm-hmm. and, and do justice to those who mean injustice, you know? So that's what I still do. Uh, I, I, I kept that... Uh, that's slogan in me that I, I that's who I am. I, I'm going to be a voice for the voiceless and and, and bring justice to uh, no make, make the this be justice to the I'm being unjust to the people. So uh, uh, you know, so I, I you know, there's a lot of things that we can talk about. Yeah, <laughs> boy, I, I could keep going for a long time. I want to get to church response in a minute, but have one other question. You so so far we've talked about um, you know you've kind of painted a healthy picture for us of of a, the real world look of what's happening, right, on this side of the border. But you also mentioned you've been going into Mexico as well. And is that, is that a similar story or has that been a very different experience going there? It's, a, it's different because you're there, you know, you're a U.S. citizen. Uh, you have protection with American, you know, with American system, uh, our laws and all that. But then you go across the border, you're dealing with the Mexican government. And, and what it helped that uh, that I was able to tell them the story that we're helping with a, a Trump administration. And they were like, okay, what are you doing? And I told them, well, the churches are open the, the facilities to, uh, to receive these migrants. Why don't you do the same thing? And, and uh, they accepted. So they're in Piedras Negras across the border from Eagle Pass. Mm. Uh, they asked the churches if they can open the facilities. And they gave us a, a green light to go into the federal facilities in, in Mexico. And from there, we met the main guy, the main person from immigration out of the, the, uh, the president 
uh, like Mallorca, Mallorca is here in the United States. Well, he was a main person, immigration, and he gave us a green light to go to any facility uh, along the border and try to implement the same thing. Mm. And we did, we did. And, and they noticed that the, the, the evangelical church can do, uh, are, is doing a better job than what they can do as a government. Mm. And uh, so now they're working alongside with us. They have, they're in Matamoros. I'm going to go to Matamoros. Across the border of Matamoros, there is a camp. I don't know if you said it in the news. There's by the river, there's 7,000. There was a camp where 7,000 people were living in a pop up tent, uh, plastic all, uh, over their heads just yeah. to protect them from the sun. But then these people have been there for two and a half years, sleeping in a pop up tent. They've been there through a uh, hot, steaming uh, summer. Yeah. They've been there through they, the last year, they went through hurricane. Mm. Uh, a uh, hundred miles an hour wind. They were under the tents, uh, raining, uh, torrential rain. They all were wet. And then uh, uh, they were, they've been going through the pandemic. All these people, the government, the Mexican government didn't give them any any mask. So I went to Dallas, a uh, member of First uh, Park City Baptist Church donated 50,000 uh, masks. And we took them over to give to every uh, person there. And they were uh, and they were able to wash the the, the, the face masks and, and wear it again, but uh, they've been there through the pandemic, and a lot of them were not wearing masks. So I've seen the hand of God protecting those families uh, through the hurricane. No one, no life that was lost. Uh, now we had just finished this winter storm that came into Texas. They were there in the tents, and none, uh, you know, and and uh, none of them were were affected. They were so, uh, I mean, we took blankets and everything they could take over to Fellowship Southwest, and, and uh, so we've been there. Uh, the, uh, there's seven thousand people that divide the camp, one camp into six camps, and uh, the federal government permitted Hartford kids, though, our our ministry that I'm I'm doing to be in charge of camp number one with 1400 people. So we've been feeding that camp for the last two and a half years, well, this year uh, for with uh, with food and water uh, every day. And now they shut down the camp. Uh, everybody thinks that uh, all those people that were at the camp already crossed the United States. No, they're, they're, they're only letting cross 50 or 100 people a day, but 7,000 people have are been scattered all over Matamoros. Wow. Uh, and uh, and we we have two colonias in, in Matamoros. It's uh, where we have uh, uh, 14, uh, I'm saying, uh, yeah, 1,700 people in one colonia. Uh, the, and then we have uh, another colonia where we have 700 people. And we fit in them all at the same time. But there are people that are coming in uh, every day across the border. Um, all those people that are coming in uh, today, 70 to 80 percent cross the river. Hmm. Uh, and as they cross in, uh, if they don't uh, qualify for asylum, they've been deported. Thousands of people being deported immediately, children and moms and, and, and dads, they're going back into Mexico. A lot of people think that uh, the Biden administration are holding them back, but no, they're, they've been deported on a, on a, uh, on a daily basis. And those who and, are staying, that's, those that's deported. So if they come from Honduras, are they being deported to Honduras or just no. sent back across the border? They they wanna they wanna stay in Mexico. Okay. Uh, because there's nothing there's no nothing to go back. They're more afraid to go into the uh, to the country. But uh, twenty to thirty percent of the people that are coming in today, they are uh, uh, they want to come in the right way. Uh, and, and those are the ones who are, are staying in our camps or in the colonias we're taking care of. And uh, so they are being, every day, uh, uh, from 100 to 150 people are being deported on a daily basis in Matamoros. We're not counting the rest of the, you know, uh, Reynosa and Olarero yeah. all along the border, but, uh, but every day they are arriving and if they don't qualify for asylum, immediately, they are, they are uh, come back. We had a, right now, the pastor was telling me about uh, a family 
uh, dad is in Kentucky and mom, uh, he is here legally. Mom was undocumented. And so she, they, they deported her with her two children, uh, elementary children. And they're in Matamoros right now, know where to go, they know what to do, you know, uh, no place to stay. So we are taking those families and uh, what's gonna happen to them, you know? So, uh, so we, have, uh, we have worked all this, time, all this time with the Mexican government and it's been, uh, it's been good. But at the same time, the federal government is not providing anything for them, no health. So we, we have doctors in Matamoros who are taking care of, of them. We, we can purchase uh, medication or sometimes it's donated, but uh, we've been doing that. And so for, for the last two years, it's been really uh, a very difficult time for us doing this. And now that everything has been in Mexico, I cross, I cross the border uh, once a week and spend the whole day in Matamoros uh, uh, helping the pastor. Uh, and seeing the needs and then uh, and I'm helping the church. Uh, the church has been growing a lot also uh, doing discipleship for the pastor so they can continue to have more leaders in the church to help. But it's, it is a continuous thing that seems like it's not going to stop. And uh, immigration has always been a problem for us uh, on the border, but also for as United States, as you know, as a government. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think I've been here since since I was a child. They're always talking about immigration problems and no one has fixed it. I've seen uh, Republicans and Democrats gone through the presidency and they talk about it, but it's never, it's never been fixed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's, I don't know when it's going to be, be fixed, but it's, 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 it's a very, very difficult time. Yeah. I know John Garland told me, or I heard him talk one time. Who's a, I don't know if you know John's pastor yes, no, uh-huh. in San Antonio. Um, that a huge percentages of those coming are evangelical Christians. And he painted just to say, this is not an us, this is brothers and sisters in Christ that worship like us coming. And and that was a, I mean, I think for many, that's a really helpful reframing. This is not an us, them thing. This is brothers and sisters in desperate situation, needing the church to respond in kind um, as a matter of faith and discipleship and, and mission, um, the uh, that that's that was eye opening for me. Yeah, when we we're when the caravans were coming in, uh, someone gave us they gave them their phone number, our phone number, and they were sending through WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. They were sending us what's going. They were going through in the mornings. They will wake, wake up early in the morning. They will have a devotional. A prayer time and then a worship time, mm. and they were all in their knees, raising their hands, uh, trusting the Lord for the day for the protection. At the end of the day, when they arrive, wherever city they got or wherever they were at, they they end up again a, a, a prayer time, uh, devotional, and then a praise time. And every day they send us videos, and there were pastors in that group leading them uh, and. Uh, and we also, we saw on video, uh, people were getting baptized because they were accepting Christ. And um, as they were coming, they were seeing God's hand over them, protection and healing. And I mean, there was like, it's, you know, what I, what I envisioned is, is when the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt mm. and the desert, God was taking care of them. Yeah. Well, these people, uh, they seen God uh, doing miracles in their own in front of our own eyes with uh, protection. And, and uh, so, yes, there were some that lost their lives. Some, some were kidnapped. But uh, God's hand over them has just been amazing since the moment they take off to the moment they come. I, I, when I received them in, in El Paso, uh, I just heard so many testimonies about the power of God. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just amazing that uh it's it, it, for me to be there and hear the stories and also pray for them uh it, that's why it was an eye-opening uh just hearing the stories that what god is doing in their lives so um for pastors and churches emerging from pandemic able to travel again able to start we just i mean so many have just had to shrink your world to getting through any given week with what we're doing right now, the last week or last year. 
um, how, how would you encourage churches around the country, white churches, Hispanic churches, black churches, urban churches, rural churches, the church universal, uh, how would you encourage churches to respond and get involved with serving these, uh, this refugee population that, that's disenfranchised? Well, first of all, I would encourage them to really uh, believe the word of God, that we're, we're men and women of, of the word of God. Uh, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we know what is right. Uh, and and this conviction, I guess, number one, this conviction of the Holy Spirit that, I mean, I would not be doing this if the Holy Spirit would not convict me to get involved and do this. I would never knew that I was going to be so involved in doing this that I got my church and other pastors involved in this. It's just losing the fear about what can happen. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, perfect love casts out fear. And, and I think the church of today, we have heard so much of the pandemic. Yes, I know these people are dying, people are sick, but we hear that every day in the, in, in the news, in the media, in the newspaper, whatever, Facebook, uh, you're bombarded by fear. But at the same time, the word of God always says, do not fear. Mm. You know, we're out in the field, we're out in the open. And uh, first of all, I think is we need to lose that fear of uh, politics. You yeah. know, who is my friend and maybe he's going to be offended because I go help the migrants. Or well, I, I, I don't like the migrants because, uh, you know, things, different things. We need to leave that behind because that's not from God. Uh, I believe as pastors, we need to step on the plate and lead our church to do what is right before the Lord. And, and second, uh, uh, let the spirit guide us. What is it that he wants us to do? Because these marches are, are going to come to your seats. You know, uh, I remember when I was in East Texas, when the Hispanics started arriving, the city, uh, the city and the county got, got a meeting with me and asked me, what do we do with these Hispanics that are coming in? I said, embrace them. Because if you uh, neglect them and if you just start uh, uh, judging them, what are you going to have? You're going to have division in the community. Then you're going to have violence that's going to start mm-hmm. out. Then you're going to see uh, drugs and uh, uh, gangs building up because of the, of the resistance. If you embrace them and, and welcome them as a, as a community, you see the difference. And, and that's what in Henderson County, Athens, Texas, that's what the county and the city did. It, mm-hmm. it, it took in the Hispanic and loved them and cared for them. And we have never had no problems with the Hispanic community. So I see the same thing. They're coming to your communities. Yes, the first generation of Hispanics are, are uh, they have very pride of the last name of their country they come from because, well, there's that's a pride, there's a homeland, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you see the name Gonzalez uh, on, on, on the windshield, on the back of uh, the windshield of the car. And, and because they have pride, you have the loud music. If you go to Mexico, you hear live music and you walk the streets and in, in the, in the markets, and you go shopping. There's loud music because we're we're happy people, you yeah. know. So, but then you have the second generation, third generation that are bilingual. They're more like we call in between their you know US and Mexico or, or Central America. But then you have the, the fourth, fifth generation of Latinos that they've been here. They they were born here, educated here. They're totally different, you know. Uh, but this it is a first generation that we are afraid of, you know. Uh, that uh, they're different than us. They talk different. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in the uh, in in, uh, in uh, airplane, and a gentleman, uh, a white male, saw me. And uh, as we got up, he looked up to me. and said, "Man, you're tall for being a Hispanic." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, and, and somebody told me, "Oh, you speak English?" And yeah, I got educated in the states. You know, so I had my sister-in-law in Louisiana. A lady asked her, uh, "How did you learn English in school?" Yes, but how? I went to a, I went to a public school in the United States, you know, in in, in, in Texas. I don't understand how did you learn English like so perfectly. <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. uh, ring in their minds that hey, we're here, you know. Yeah. I was born in Mexico. I see myself as an American. I see myself. Uh, I mean, uh, United States is my home country. I was, even that I was born in Mexico. I've been living here all my life. I love and respect my nation, and I love it. And, uh, but, you know, that's the makes that I hate my people, you know, the white, my white friends in school, they were my best friends, you know, uh, and, uh, and I always, I always thank the church, local church, because they helped me, you know, my family was able to get legalized here. My mom, uh, well, she's a U.S. citizen, but my siblings, 
because of the local church. Mm. If the local church gets involved with migrants, the community will be totally different. You know, it doesn't matter we're different, you know, our, uh, our, our skin color or, or uh, I know I have a, a very strong, uh, what do you call that accent? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, uh, but we're, we're, we're still one, you know, and it's, I, I believe if the church gets involved, our community will be totally different because I believe in transforming lives and transforming communities. This is my slogan in, in Hartford Kids, transforming lives and transforming communities. And I encourage the local church, get involved, get involved. Don't be afraid about the Latinos or, uh, or, or the African-American community or Asian or whatever. Uh, just embrace them, you know, uh, love them. It loves, conquers. Uh, uh, and then I believe that when I was in East Texas, I went to African, uh, uh, to African community, African-American community. They embraced me because I love them. And starting kind of bringing them to church and taking them food and whatever they, they were the needs. Uh, the local church has a lot of power and the local church can come to the border and do the same thing and learn from here. What's, what are we doing that they can do in, 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 their, own, in their own cities? And uh, if they want to come across the border once the pandemic is raised, they'll learn a, a lot. They'll see totally different uh, because you can do international missions. You can do domestic missions on this side of the border on the, on the U.S. and you can do an international missions just crossing the river or, or the border. Yeah. Yeah. And your, so, man, your point is so well taken that uh, we can really, we must start this at home. There's no city in Texas, certainly in Texas, I won't speak for beyond Texas, that is untouched by those coming across the border. We have, we have asylum seekers in our communities. We all have Hispanic congregations or uh, uh, populations in our communities that need help um, regarding their immigration status. And I mean, we yeah. can go to the border and learn. We can apply at home, and it's a back and forth thing that's both helpful. That's that's really helpful. I hate yeah. we're out of time. This is great. Well, yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say to the to the church, uh, it, it go to your uh, uh, to the uh, Mexican consulate or Honduran consulate, and they can help you. Uh, you know, you can get birth certificates for those people. Get a, a visa, uh, not a visa, but a passport for them. So they can have an uh, identification. A lot of them don't have an ID. Well, they can provide that. And uh, also they can provide an ESL. The Mexican consulate provides free ESL for, the, for the, the people in your community. So we have done so many things alongside with the, the Mexican consulate and the Honduran consulate. They all work together with the community. Mm. And even if they don't have an education, they'll bring teachers to teach them to the first, uh, I know, all the way through elementary and they can continue if they want to. So there's a lot of help out there that, that you can start with your own community. And uh, I really encourage you, get, the, you know, uh, get out there and, and transform your community. Do you have a final blessing or prayer for us today, Jorge? Thank you for your time. Uh, this has been helpful for me. I, th- I know helpful for our audience. Um, and and I'm, I, I leave encouraged by you pointing out where the hand of God is at work in the, in, in a place where, again, if we're fed by the media, uh, we just don't see that. And I leave hopeful and, uh, yeah, led by the spirit to engage. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, madam, one of the verses that I always, uh, use for, for our ministry on the border. And I can, I believe that you can do it also in every community in the United States is the book of Matthew chapter 25. Uh, verse 35 and on uh, the Bible says for I was hungry and you fed me I was thirsty and you gave me a drink I was a stranger and you you invited me in into your home I was naked and you gave me clothing I was sick and you cared for me I was in prison and you visited me and, and I love what the the, the 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 words of the Lord Jesus Christ said uh, uh, that he said um, if you do it to the list of this uh, my brothers, he said, my brothers, you did it to me. You know, um, doesn't matter who they are, uh, what race they come from. Jesus said, they're my brothers. Yeah. And, uh, and as we don't see that verse, that all these people that are coming into our cities, our states, they are Jesus' brothers. As a, as a body of Christ, we're missing the whole thing about what are we doing? You know, uh, it takes, yeah, it takes a risk to, to work in the community. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is out there working for us, already waiting for us to do the great things. 
So I really encourage you. That word always encourages me that I, uh, I know there's people I still need to touch. There's people I need to, to help. And Jesus said, hey, uh, you did it to uh, the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. So I'm doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's not for my, it's not for my, my, my own personal life. Uh, it's my commitment to my Lord. You know, I have a responsibility. So, uh, yes, I, I, I want to thank you for letting me be part of this. And I encourage each one uh, that pray for us as we are there in the front lines uh, and pray for these pastors that are working the, on the Mexican side. They have to face the, the organized crime, the cartels mm. uh, every single day. And uh, they've been stopped by the cartel, asking what are you doing on a daily basis. So they're, they, they put in their lives in danger. We put our lives in danger moments that we cross the border. But, you know, we know when to cross or we come, when to come back, when not to go. But, you know, as we just pray for the Lord's protection over us. So just pray for us as we do this. And if you want to support this ministry, you can go to fellowshipsouthwest.org. And there's a link there where they can, they can uh, give. But we're doing this together as, with different, different ministries, different organizations. But we are just uh, all in, in, in one accord. Jorge, thank you for your time. We will be praying. I want to pray to end this. But uh, we, I appreciate your friendship. Um, your witness is compelling and encouraging. And uh, we're, we're thankful for you. Let me pray as we close. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you for Jorge, for his calling, for his obedience to your calling. We pray that you give him strength and give him energy. Um, and, and we're thankful for the witness that he provides to so many, to us today, for his church, for, the, for his family, for those he encounters. We pray for these brothers and sisters um, seeking a better life, uh, running from, from poverty and crime and any number of hardship, facing any numbers of hardship for most of us listening today that are just unimaginable in our life. Uh, we pray your protection over them. We pray that you are known to them and present to them in ways. And God, we ask your Holy Spirit to convict powerfully those of us living um, away from the border, fed by false narratives, Father, that that neglect to see humans, neglect to see brothers and sisters um, in need, in desperate need, hungry and thirsty, in need of shelter and safety, in need of so many things, Father. I pray your spirit convicts powerfully for the church to respond um, in, in force, to be a force for good, a force for whole, a force for healing of, of strong relationships within one another leading to relationship with you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, friend. We'll talk again Thanks, soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye.